Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, host of the podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. talk about like living in different countries there are schools that you can put your because people i think the first question a lot of times people ask me when i mention this whole idea of living in you know two different countries let's say mm. it's like what are you going to do when you have kids you know yeah. you're going to be pulling them out of school and then different curriculum and all that stuff and uh there are schools like for example in montessori right mm. uh, where it's the same curriculum in every country so you yeah. can just have them, you know, plugged out from here and then plugged back into the same system in another country. That's actually Mike's daughter. Um, mm. She she goes to a Montessori school. She was in Montessori mm. in, in Thailand. And then when they moved back to Chicago, she just jumped into the school over there. And it's like a pretty seamless process. Of course, the price yeah. is different. It's like it's more yeah, expensive true. in Chicago than it is in... <laughs> in in uh, Chiang Mai yeah yeah I guess curriculum wise it should be fine probably it's more like the social ties aspect I don't know but I don't know if, what the importance of that is like when you're a kid you make new friends quite easily yeah I would say it depends on of course like what well I mean you, you, you can you can talk yeah what kind of kid you are you I mean I went to uh this before 10, I think I was at three different schools just because uh, yeah. my, my parents were mo- like we moved to the US and, and things like that. Um, and then also just in general, I guess my parents put, like they put me in boarding school for a bit and stuff like that. So I will say this like uh, it's tough. It's, it's not an easy thing to just move schools. You feel shy, you, you, you miss your previous friends and all that stuff, but uh, it, you adapt quickly as a kid but the benefits are when you're older i think a big part of the reason why i was never afraid to just move countries is because of that experience of being in different schools at a very young age and having to figure out my friends and things like that like at a super young age so and different yeah different schools in different countries at a young age helps me just ah, i can live anywhere in the world and i'll figure it out you know yeah, yeah, fair enough. If you, and if your kids, well, they will hopefully be raised by you, so they'll yeah. probably have the same type of mentality. Yeah, mentality. Speaking of, um, speaking of kids and family, whatever. Uh, what's going on with you? I remember, and again, we can cut this out if it's not uh, appropriate for the pod. But um, I remember you were dating the the girl that you met in China. Yeah. Yeah, so we dated. We we were together right for like, yeah, we broke up uh, <laughs> quite a long time. Well, not a long time ago, but almost two years ago, one and a half years ago, maybe. It was just not uh, a very yeah. It was just not ideal, I would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a new partner now, a new girlfriend uh, that I live together. We, we've been living together for. Uh, 
almost eight months here in Stockholm and it's going super well and uh, definitely feels yeah it feels like no other relationship before so I'm very stoked on that and it's like yeah it's super exciting and not in the past I often felt like relationships were kind of a constraint in some way especially when you like want to move around yeah and you want to like experience different things uh and just take risks as well like that that's not something that was super appreciated by uh, previous girlfriends but with this in this new in this relationship i feel very comfortable in that sense that you know i'm always going to be taking risks i'm definitely a risk taker i'm i'm i have an entrepreneurial mindset i actually have like a almost a phobia of working for someone else or mm-hmm. building a career in a corporation like the corporate life oh so i'm not uh, not going to be doing that ever i think uh, and it's it goes uh, matches super well with with her mindset we share a lot of the same mindset then and uh, yeah it's going super super well and i'm very bullish on it <laughs> as one <laughs> might say uh, yeah i guess that's that's the status like it's it's better than I could have ever imagined a relationship to be, and that's funny how it works. Like, of course, you you only know what you've experienced in your subjective human experience. Like, someone tells you how good their relationship is, etc. You can't really internalize that because you haven't experienced it yourself. Now mm. this one is like it's just uh, off the charts how how nice it is. That's cool, man. Um... So what about you in terms of like, uh, obviously starting the, the, the company right now, getting mm-hmm. investment, does yep. that basically mean that you will be in, in, uh, in, in Europe? Like on a permanent yeah, that's, basis? That, that's a bit tricky. I think it will definitely tie me to, to Europe and the Nordics for a while, but we do want to have a remote first culture. Uh, in our organization so when we when we expand etc like we don't have any employees now but we are a founding team of five people so it's still quite a bit of coordination and it's so much easier when we're all at the same court in space at the same office here in Stockholm uh, compared to when we work remote uh, so we'll see how that whole thing works out but but my vision and my, my girlfriend's vision as well is to move away from Sweden and the thing is, she's never had that. Exp- she's lived here in Stockholm all her life. So she definitely has more of a drive to move, to get out of here. For mm-hmm. me, it's like, yeah, you know, I lived in China, lived in London, now living here in Stockholm, which is, yeah, it's culturally very similar to where I'm from, but it's not the same. It's still a foreign country. Um, so I don't have, like, I don't have the need for it as much per se, but I definitely want to optimize my life and be gone for the winter because the winter just sucks in the nordics the same as in canada it's cold it's dark it's just not pleasant in any way especially especially when you've lived in i'm not not saying china is the most tropical country but when you lived in a place where the weather is more consistent yeah it makes a hell of a difference on your mood i mean even right now uh philippines is very tropical it's amazing but it's rainy season right now so like yeah. it was, it's dark and it, it affects your mood. It affects how you work and things like that. Exactly. So I just think 
yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to find some sort of balance. And for sure, it would be nice to come out to the Philippines. We're actually planning a trip to Vietnam and Indonesia uh, this oh. fall slash winter. So might definitely do a stop, stop by in the Philippines as well. But in terms of like moving abroad again or like to another country long term, I think that's still a year or two away from now. Like I'll be grinding it out in Stockholm for the foreseeable future. And I really like Stockholm as well. Like sp I speak the language, so it's super, super nice. And it's actually my native language, even though I'm from Finland, Finn Swede. So it's kind of the first time where I can speak my mother tongue like everywhere. So it feels good in a different way, even though we speak different accents or like dialects, it's still no accents, not dialects. It's uh, super nice. I enjoy it here in Stockholm. In a perfect world, uh, if you got the business of uh, that stage, what country would you go to? That's a good. Like, has your has your business like shifted outside of China now, or, or is that something you're thinking about? Because I remember when I left, like that's something you were. That was one of my goals. Yeah. Talking about yeah, those that, that was definitely one of my goals was to start to find more suppliers. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the reason why I chose Indonesia. Like, I remember Indonesia in terms of my. Chinese New Year vacation because um, yeah. I remember thinking to myself at that time period like am I going to go to Indonesia or am I going to go to like like Thailand or something like that because if, uh, yeah. if I went to Thailand it would just be vacation straight up um, but Indonesia was a little bit of a balance of both and yeah I mean it's still there it's just of, of course uh, COVID put things on hold right yeah. Um, yeah. COVID put things on hold so it's more it's more so now i mean what's happened right now with us uh, is that like I've, since i've been here for two years plus um you know i've made more connections i've hired more filipino staff um but we still have our chinese team china business is not going anywhere like it's it's ironically better than it was two years ago <laughs> you know so like it's it's kind of a it's a weird thing because it's like i'm not there but you know we are our revenue is higher has gone higher in the past two years so but at the same time i i keep thinking about long term with the business we have to uh, not be so reliant on just manufacturing in china it's like we have to expand expand to Philippines, expand to different Southeast Asian countries. Um, and then, and then on top of that digital assets. So, I mean, I, I still, for me, I still have a love hate relationship with China. I would say like, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I love Chinese people when I was there. Like I always had really good experiences traveling around and meeting new people and, people just welcome you into their houses. Like you just meet some somebody at a factory and they're like, you know, I'm hanging out with their kids and, and their, their wife later, you know? So, yeah. Um, there was always a, that's always the message I try to put out is that it's not Chinese people. It's a government that controls all these things. Like Chinese people don't vote and things like that. It's not their actual opinions. They just follow what's going on. Um, mm at least mainland Chinese people. Uh, and then when it comes to Hong Kong, and also, what, I mean, what amazes me about China and just in general is just the technology and the scale of what everything is. Everything is just bigger, you know? Mm. You, you go yeah. to something that's considered to be a small city and it's 15 million mm. people. 
Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is a small city. This is the size of a country right now. But um, yeah. anyways, uh, Hong Kong, I, I I still love. I just I haven't again. I haven't been to Hong Kong since I left. So I don't know if it's the same as it was, you know. Mm. From from what I what I talk about with Alan, Alan um, mm. says it's it's definitely changed a lot. Like he still loves Hong Kong. There's still a lot of stuff going on there that's interesting business wise, uh, development mm. as you mentioned. But I definitely mm. think there's a shift in energy, you know. Yeah, and there's I, there's way less expats than there were before. A lot of people left. First, because of the Western protests. More expensive? No, there's way less expats. A lot of people left. Oh. First, first, um, because yeah. of, yeah, yeah, exactly. First, because of the protests, right? Before in 2019, those, uh, the, the big protests, which um, forced a lot of people out of the country. Then COVID yeah. happened and, and it was just like a double down. So there's only a few people that maybe, um, make money from outside of hong kong they can i would say that the people that were like in the banking industry financial industry a lot of those people left and service industry when i say service i mean like restaurants and things like that mm. um and then for the people that were still in trading like alan um it mm. was still beneficial to be in hong kong and you know and of course with the pp stuff and things like that there was there was a bump in bump in the trading industry let's say yeah, absolutely. It just feels like it's kind of sad to think about. It just feels like like 2010 to, to 2019 was like the absolute peak golden era of China and Hong Kong. Mm. Yeah, potentially. Um, I own it. I always think about it like uh, China is still going to be manufacturing most of the things that we consume for a very long time. So yeah. that, that's always the, and then there's always going to be a necessity for uh, somebody who understands how business works there. And then I think if you spent an extended period of time in China or you worked with China for years and years and years and you have contacts, that is like me and Mike talk about it all the time. It's like our one of our main resources, one of our main uh, USPs is the resources that we have, the, the contacts that we have on the ground in China, whether it's the team, the actual employees, or it's uh, business contacts that other people just never be able to meet right mm. it's it's yeah. one of those and then um just understanding the the culture and stuff but definitely resources is like huge because you you can imagine like if somebody wants to make a product right now and it's an original design mm. you know what are they going to do they're going to they can't go to china they're mm. going to start talking to people in alibaba mm. they don't know how to communicate with the people in alibaba unless maybe they speak chinese or something like that it's just there's just so much to learn you know, yeah. so yeah, not to yeah, turn this into a sales call, but like you know, <laughs> no, but still, like that's definitely one of the, the biggest USPs of SFA is just like the relationships you guys have that have been like worked on for years and years, yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. I mean, China is still about relationships at the end of the day, like a lot of people want to work with other people that they know, you know, mm. so it's and that's a big part of even Asian business culture in general i think is a lot of mm. relationship based work i'm i'm curious to hear about uh, sfa's customer base and how that's changed over the years like 
is it still do you still have a lot of like amazon businesses or mm-hmm. or like crowdfunding businesses or has it shifted anyhow and it's, it's very funny because uh luke asked me the exact same question <laughs> <laughs> so i would say the consistency like when i was in asia versus now on the youtube channel and and the podcast isn't as consistent like would you say like mm-hmm. you're, you're stick, taking a bit of a step back from that or how's that working out content wise yeah um no so basically what happened was uh, i uh, we actually did a podcast about it because i i knew that people had that question because we were releasing for we're releasing once a week for like years right um yeah. no basically what happened was covid like covid affected a yeah. lot of different things right so like we had to initially we had to cut back on some of the expenses one of the first things was they right like we can't necessarily release a podcast every week second thing yeah. was um when you're recording content and you're like at home all the time and everybody else is at home all the time and you're just doing zoom calls it's like it's cool to do zoom calls once like uh you know once in a while but i also like to record in person like i like to actually yeah. sit down with people like for example i have a i have a podcast on fridays and i was like yeah let's do it in person because let's let's sit down let's do do the whole setup it's a little bit more of a personal uh thing right um mm-hmm. and i just wasn't that just wasn't happening so like doing the zoom thing on a regular basis and then also my a lot of my friends left as you said left china left philippines so it becomes like a, a much more difficult to organize the podcast or organizers yeah a, a zoom meeting because you're like oh what time are you available these kind of things right so yeah so it was a, it was a lot of that anyways yeah to uh, just to explain uh do you remember when you were still working with us i i told you that i kind of was thinking like to shift our um First of all, we wanted to increase revenue through uh, mm. providing maybe some more services, but maybe changing some of the pricing and pricing mm. structure, things like that. Yeah. So we started doing that when you were still here. And then from a marketing perspective, one of the things that Mike and I started doing in the last two years is that we started to shift our marketing like uh, materials and everything. I mean, I think that started with you actually, because you wrote the, you helped me write the, the yeah, the case the, study, this case study thing. So yeah. uh, the case study on the fitness company, um, yeah. and that was like the first step, one of the first steps. Then Mike and I were like, okay, we need to actually shift the kind of podcasts that we're doing and YouTube videos and things like that because we had hundreds of podcasts and youtube videos that are all related to startups and small to medium sized mm-hmm. businesses so if we were going to if we're going to start to target larger companies we have to start talking about higher level business concepts and how we've developed the business and things like that and the partnerships how we do our partnerships and so that's what we've been doing uh, more and more that's even why like this conversation that we're having right now it's more higher level uh concepts and and things like that like i, I don't want to do as much of the startup stuff but then i still want to service startups so and small to medium sized businesses so we decided okay let's launch like a digital community so we did the sfa digital uh, summit last year um we had the the course that we created and then now we're launching a discord chat so mm-hmm. 
so the Discord, the idea behind the Discord is that for the companies that can afford our services, let's, let's say mm. startups or whatever, they can pay a monthly subscription fee, which is not that high. And then mm. we'll, we have AMAs, we have exclusive content, we have, you know, all these different things that we're going to be adding into there. So, yeah. and then of course, there'll be partnership stuff. So if there's a company that, um, let's say a QC company that can mm. give a discount on their services, if you're a Discord uh, partner, then or a Discord subscriber, then you would receive that discount code mm. or whatever it is. So that that was kind of that's kind of where we're shifting, and then it's it started to pick up more and more. I would say in the last uh, towards the end of 2021, mm. we start to get more uh, interest from larger businesses. Um, when I say mm. larger, I'm talking about companies that are worth 50 million dollars plus uh mm. to you know multi-billion dollar businesses which i think i yeah. mentioned before on the podcast so i think it's okay for me to say it uh, there's a company that we work with called event fuel um mm. and i uh, basically what they do is they uh create events mm. and before covid they were doing okay. physical i mean they're doing physical events now because people can attend them and stuff like that. But before COVID, they were doing that live events, concerts, whatever, right? Festivals. Mm -hmm. Obviously that didn't, that got shut down during the lockdowns. So what they did was they pivoted to Zoom events. And you know, with the Zoom events, what happened was people started, they started to lose their tension because people started getting bored of Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. So then they decided, okay, how do we keep the retention high? And the idea was like, let's make it into like a more interactive experience. Mm-hmm. So they would send out like, if I buy a, a ticket to like a, a Zoom thing that they were doing, they would send you like a gift box with different things, maybe like uh, board games or whatever that you they would also do on the events. So it was a more interactive experience and that helped with the retention levels. But of course the physical actual products was something that they'd never done before they're, they're essentially like a tech company you know so it was mm-hmm. like all right we are they were buying a lot of the products locally sourced like in europe and, and in the us they're based out of ireland yeah. um so it was and then the, but they're working with really large businesses and things like that but they're spending so much they were spending so much money on the physical products so they approached us and and then we said we can source everything for them. We can even ship it to the different countries. So we did an order. Uh, me and Alan have a podcast up on, on YouTube if you want to watch it. We did, a, we did an order uh, for them in mm-hmm. conjunction with PayPal last mm-hmm. year uh, in November. November, December, it was a Christmas thing. And, and we shipped to like uh, close to 100 countries. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah. So that's... Pay, that PayPal event situation, event fuel situation is one of a few different companies that we're kind of working with right now, yep. trying to develop more partnerships and things like that. And then we're trying to use our case studies from those experiences to uh, to market towards larger businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I like, uh, nice to see that it's it's working, the, the marketing shift as well. And maybe remind me after the podcast, but I know uh, a couple of guys here in Sweden that uh, have a company basically where they've combined Discord and Patreon. So it's like a mm. Discord with a paywall or subscription service already integrated. 
-hmm. so maybe you want to give that a try actually for for your service I'll, yeah let I'll, me know man. like um yeah let, no send that for sure because that's that's been i wanted to do patreon actually that was my original idea and then i was talking to nick zebra uh, you remember nick zebra yep. from from hong kong and he was like yeah, just I do did. this he was like do discord and i was like okay mm -hmm. And he explained to me why it would be better because it's just like there's so many other things that you can do and you know it's it's an expanding marketplace and everything. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, so we do Discord, but I'm still interested in Patreon. So I was thinking I'll focus on Discord initially and then shift my focus to Patreon once the Discord is sort of more automated. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely I'll intro you to those guys because they've definitely like ma managed to combine the best sides of both both apps mm -hmm. into one. So, yeah, I'd, lo so I'd love to talk to them. I mean, our yeah. our community uh, manager, he's super experienced with Discord. I don't know how much experience he has with uh, Patreon. Um, yeah, and then besides that, I mean, we are we've expanded the Philippines team uh, here. Mm -hmm. We have more employees in the Philippines. Uh, I'm considering, I had an office here, uh, mm. but then we kept having lockdowns. So it was just like, what's the point of, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I made a home office instead. In, but now I'm thinking like, it might be good just because things are opening up, like to get a physical space because we have more employees. So it will also be a space for them to, to go to work uh, sometimes yeah. if they choose yeah. to. And uh what else i guess we're just trying to we're trying to ingratiate ourselves more and more with fuel and paypal like fuel's interested in a lot of partnership ideas um, yeah even alan i don't know if I, I don't know when was the last time we spoke to alan but like i mean alan is the one who introduced us to fuel so um we've been working with alan as a partner in this project and, and uh you know I don't want to say too much, but like uh, if things go really well, I would say that we'll probably end up in a situation of where we're merging companies. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh, that's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Alan in March, and uh, yeah, he was telling me a bit about the situation as well, but didn't hear didn't hear that part of it. That's really exciting. You know, I don't know if I told you before the pod that like we're launching a Discord. Probably this week, actually, by Friday. Yeah, I did see that. I before our, our call, I jumped on the the website and just saw like the, you have the different tiers of of memberships in the Discord, and uh, yeah, look, look, looked really interesting. Oh, you'll be in there for free because uh, there's we have a, like a partners program, so anybody that um, that we worked with on a certain level, okay. uh, of of course former employees that we you know we still have good relationship with and larger businesses that we worked with in the past and things like that like and our current business partners um you know we're grandfathering in to the discord so um the idea behind it in terms of uh, mike mike and i's idea behind it was like we want to create a community so we did that with the digital sfa digital uh summit but at the same time, you know, I, it's a lot of work, man. It was a lot of work to create that summit and even to create the course and stuff like that. I was like, you have to constantly update that. So rather than doing that, we're not going to launch another forum or something like that. We Discord would be an awesome idea to, you know, create another, uh, 
take the same community that we already have, have it be more active, have it be live on a daily basis. And, um, another thing that uh, Mike and I have been, I'm not even sure if I should say this, uh, Mike and I have been throwing around is, you know, potentially, you know, there could be businesses launched from it, maybe something like a DAO as well, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows, man? It is it's just a lot of potential with Discord, man. There's a lot. So, yeah, and I'm super excited about it. I, I, I'm going to be on there. We're going to do AMAs and, you know, private podcasts. Uh, we're going to have people on that maybe we don't, we, we won't publish on the YouTube channel and stuff like that. It'll be only for Discord. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if you've seen this in, in our content recently, but like, you know how like I was a little bit more structured with my interviews before? Yeah. Um, like we're creating questions and things like that. I don't do that anymore because it's a little bit boring for me. Like I just kind of want to, <laughs> I kind of want to get into the Joe Rogan space of just like doing two, three hour conversations with other, other okay. interesting people. Maybe it might still be in Asia entrepreneurial space, right? uh but yeah we i mean we're throwing around ideas about doing like a sports podcast me and mike (laughs) yeah so yeah there's a lot of different things that are kind of gonna kind of going around was is your focus like because i have seen like you know and then i i don't want to throw anybody under the bus but you know the you know the employee of I'm going to mention he was great at the beginning, but like over time, I don't know what happened with him, man. Like it was really strange. He just started to, you know, we would sit down, we have our you know, weekly meetings and things like that. And we would chart out like, you, you know, how we, how we operate. So it's like weekly meeting. This is what we're doing this week. All that stuff. What are your goals? What did you do last week? And then you yeah. cut to the next week and it's like, you're sitting down with him and you're like, yeah, well, weekly meeting. And uh, he didn't like 20% of the things that he was supposed to do. And then you're asking him like, why? And he can't come up with a, an answer. And I was just, it was, it was just a little bit too much. So like, I think that with him, a lot of the content side of things got pushed back because he was supposed to be the manager. Right. So it's okay. like, I don't blame the editors. I blame the manager, right? That's that's yeah. that's how it goes. But I, I like I said, the buck stops with me. I, when I did my podcast before uh, with Mike, when we were discussing about why we haven't been consistently releasing, um, the buck stops with me at the end of the day. I kept him on for too long, and that's my fault, right? Um, you know, so yeah, that's that's sort of the overall situation, but. Uh, what we're trying to do right now, we have uh, we're releasing a YouTube video every two weeks and a podcast every week, two weeks. Uh, Discord content will be weekly, um, and then we're trying to ramp back up into a weekly release type of uh, schedule. What's uh, what's like the entrepreneurial vision for for Rico, the individual? Uh, Long term or near term. Vincent, you turned this into an interview of me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So turning the tables around, yeah. 
How dare you? You know, I'm a professional interviewer. I've been interviewing people for years. I know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say that uh, for me, from a professional standpoint, like I've always, I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. Like I always have new business ideas. I always have different things. I'm always encouraging my friends, my family, uh, my my girlfriend even to like try something, you know, things like this. So I think that with SFA, I go back and forth with the idea that if I got to a certain stage revenue-wise, would I step down as CEO and and have somebody else take over mm-hmm. and then, you know, just collect my dividends and start something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or I could have it be as automated as possible and mm-hmm. then start other things. And also, SFA could also be the umbrella of a lot of different things, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I love doing content. I love doing interviews. Yeah. I love... Uh, YouTube podcasts and stuff like that. I love talking to interesting people in a perfect world. I think it would be a situation where I'm comfortable revenue wise, how much money the company is making. It's uh, mm. the, the company is a well-oiled machine. <clears throat> doesn't need my, I wouldn't say day to day because day to day is always going to be a case, but like mm. uh, doesn't need need to be as involved. And then my thing would be like just creating cool content. And then starting other sort of business, maybe businesses within Source Financia. So I'm talking about like, a, like for example, launching the Discord is almost like starting another company because a lot of the stuff that we're developing behind the scenes is like we're developing um, SOPs and all these things. Like we have to hire multiple people to manage the community, and you know we're trying to figure out how to automate things. And it's it, it actually feels like starting another business. And then mm-hmm. when Mike and I are talking about what the Discord could become, you know, um, and as we were talking about, I think briefly uh, before the call, things mm-hmm. like DAOs and, you know, yeah. how do you incorporate blockchain technology into Discord? And yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot on that side. So, um, yeah, I, I think on my side, it's like if I can just create great content and yeah. be more of like a visionary side of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's sort of my long-term goal. Yeah. And then eventually yeah, maybe make enough money to start investing into other businesses and, and become like a VC. I worked for a company that had done business with you guys. So I mm-hmm. I know you guys did pretty well for the PBE. Yeah, so, the, PPA, no, the PPA hear. stuff was insane. I think Mike was worried about <laughs> talking about that because it's a it's sort of a delicate subject, I think, in the aspect of the, you know, just the nature of that time period. And you know, there was a lot of people that were looking at it like it's a gold rush and all that stuff, right? So, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, we, you know, we it was good. It was good. Uh, there was a there was a lot of ups and downs and things like that, but it was good. And then overall for us, it was looking at the situation and being like, at, at the end of the day, we're helping people, right? We're helping them get what they they need, and and we kept the SFA values and the aspect of making sure that we're working with the highest quality, you know, uh, suppliers and things like that. Because uh, I I also know from other stories and other business friends that a lot of people. We're just going for the cheapest stuff that they could get, right? Like, yeah, uh, and, and then just barking it up crazy, right? So it's like short-term games. Yeah, exactly. 
know you saw a lot of that, especially during that PP craze. Yeah. What about on your side? Like, I mean, what was your whole, I guess, overall feeling or view of the whole PP situation? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was like, for me, the whole PPE thing, like started, like I got back from Asia and I, I had those contacts and I had told, you know, my, my buddy who was getting into PPE, like, Hey, like I, I have a, a contact in China and he sort of like, he had already joined a company that was into the import export game. And, uh, we had, tried a few different people to to get in contact with and then i, I had brought up like sorts fine asia and mike's name and uh yeah like i i so i had exposure with the whole ppe game in that sense sort of uh in the background and then COVID as a whole in canada like i'm sure you guys have heard on the news how it is here it's definitely been pretty pretty intense but overall like decently lucky knock on wood i i never got covid and uh, i just as as you said like i, I just kind of see it as a, a flu kind of thing too so knock on wood it, it's been pretty pretty good so far for me here i remember when when uh, when i was in china as well you were still talking about like long term going back to canada like, like yeah. to settle down you still think uh, Canada will yeah. be calling at some point or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that I still, the reason why I mentioned that is because obviously, you know, I love Canada and stuff like that. But mm. my thing is I want to set myself up in a situation where financially I'm in a place where I don't have to stay in one place. Mm. You know, like if I, if I want to live in Canada, I can live in Canada if I want to live somewhere else. If I want to, I, I want to basically be able to live the same lifestyle in any city in the world. That's kind of yeah. my my goal. Um, yeah. So yeah, Canada is still there. Uh, a good place to raise a family. Bad place to be in during the winter. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so it's like I I see myself doing like a four month, six month stint in Canada and then leaving when it gets cold. Yeah. And yeah, ideally I, I would want to do the same here in the Nordics. Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, which country I go to is, I mean, right now, Philippines is probably the front runner. But mm. like, um, you know, I still haven't spent as much time in South America. So I think mm. South America might also be an interesting proposition for me. Yeah, crazy times. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I, I still have such fond memories of of uh manila and all those people that that i met is it is it still like is there still a lot of of uh like the digital nomad community there like mm, i mean it's coming back uh that's that's the okay. way i put it it's coming back like okay. i mean a lot of people left a lot of people went back to their home countries um, yeah that makes sense so yeah, uh, and but what I have noticed is like when you go to the islands, for example, we spent two months in Portugalera, me and my girlfriend last year, and um, in Portugalera okay. because the islands were, didn't have that so many restrictions as as Manila. There was mostly Manila that was like under really strict Manila and Cebu under really strict lockdowns. 
and uh, okay. on the islands, like, yeah, there was a lot more people that were like digital nomads or just entrepreneurs in general um, and, and expats in general, because it was like, yeah, you don't have to wear a mask. You can just kind of operate like normal. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, no, now it's, it's coming back. Like a lot of people are moving back here or uh, traveling back here, things like that, because they understand that um, it's easier to be here than it was in the last two years. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You have, don't, don't you have quite a bit of like digital nomad friends that are hanging out in South America? Yeah, I mean, it's less now because of COVID. Yeah. A lot of people left. But um, no, no, there's definitely, I had like, a, I had a core group of like four or five of my closest friends living in Colombia mm. for a few years, actually. Um, mm. They just, uh, they're more dispersed now. Some guys are in Europe, some guys are in some other countries in South America, mm. and then some guys are in, uh, back in Canada. So, uh, mm. yeah. It's still, uh, still a, I mean, uh, but they still talk about going back to Colombia or going to live in Brazil or things like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not like they wanted to leave because they didn't like the place. It was just like, okay, COVID's happened. A lot of people left just because they're freaking out about the situation mm-hmm. and the uncertainty of it. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made in China podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source Financia, all one word. Cheers.